On this episode of OK Goodbye, we discuss our family history with politics, basically why we're so crazy, the latest developments with Trump, and basically our very strong hope for a Michael Moore miracle. We also go over our Christmas list, talk about Connor Oberst at length, and choose this week's heart eyes emoji. Of course, there's a little bit of fantasy football talk. We apologize for that. Thanks for joining us. Hello, sister. Hello, sister. We're back. We back. And uh, it didn't take us a whole month to get here. No, things are getting better, although not at the same (laughs) time. We're just becoming more accepting of the bad, I guess. More willing to discuss it uh, in a recorded manner. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're able to hold the rage in a little bit. Only a little bit, though. Yeah. Better than where we were. I know. I still have tons of rants, though. (laughs) I just get all the rants out on Johnny the moment I leave work and start my hour-long commute. Oh, dear. Poor Johnny. Did you read blah, 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 blah? (laughs) Well, we had a curious little conversation uh, yesterday, I think, or the day before, you and I, and you don't even know where I'm going with this. But there was this idea that, uh, like, what is wrong with our family? Why do we care so much? Um, And it's true. I don't know. Maybe there are other families out there. And if you're listening, maybe you're a person who just in general cares a great amount. But it's like every person in our family just, like, cares too much about this. It's true. To the point where I would almost say that dad cares the least. And that is saying something, because he's the one who made us this way in the first place. Yeah, it's like he created a monster that even he can't. <laughs> he cannot he can't control. So. You see, let's go back in time a little bit. Like, when we were kids, um, we did a lot of uh, watching TV. <laughs> uh, we watched mm-hmm. a lot of TV while we were eating dinner. And if we weren't watching, like, The Simpsons or something like that, because um, we, we had a TV in our kitchen, and so we'd turn it on, we would also watch the news. And actually, to our mom's credit, too, she's, like, an avid news watcher. And things would happen on the news. We were always, like, really up on current events. And then we would have some really, like, you know, good debates about what was happening. And uh definitely made me, you know politically aware at an early age, like really early. Mm-hmm. Um, and our grandparents, our grandma Maloff in specifically, she also really loved it. And my dad's brothers did too. So there's always just a lot of debate on Sundays and a lot of good talk about it. And, uh, you know, when we talk about our democratic roots, um, our grandma in particular, I mean, to the day she died, thought FDR was the greatest president that ever lived. And she had like a portrait of FDR, right? And yeah. JFK? Or was I, it just JFK? I think so. One or the other. She loved JFK too because he was a Democrat and a Catholic. Um, and so. Oh, yeah. There'd be that, no better than that. Yeah, <laughs> that was like the double whammy of goodness right there. She would so, have really loved Obama. Absolutely. Like, so much she would have loved Obama, like so much. 
Um, she would have hated Trump. Yeah, she would hate Trump more than... <laughs> she would have hated George Bush, like, a lot. Um, but she would have hated Trump, like, a ridiculous amount. <laughs> like ridiculous us, amount. Yeah, I actually basically. just posted on Facebook, I was like, the Bush administration seems quaint. <laughs> That's the truth. I'm God. like, oh, the Bush administration, it wasn't really that bad. But yeah, no, she, uh, yeah, she would have not been happy with the Donald. No. Now, like, I actually did ask the question uh, before the election happened, and we were, you know, in the pantsuit nation and stuff like that. If our grandma would have liked Hillary, that's hard for me to say. I mean, in comparison to Trump, yes. But she wasn't overly, like, the most confident in women <laughs> to <laughs> do things of a professional nature. Like, uh, she had four boys and uh, just... I think she really thought the world of boys and didn't think girls could do much, which was really weird because she was very smart. And even though she didn't have her own kind of like professional career, she ran the family business with our grandfather. Um, and she was a secretary. For yeah, a long she was. Time. yeah. Yeah. That's uh, a whole story for another time. And she would even take like college classes in her older age just because. And she would so. read tons of books and see movies and yeah, I don't she's know. pretty much where I feel like we got a lot of the uh, the Maloff lady uh, grit, probably <laughs> or not probably. really. Grit is like a bad term for it because it's maybe the opposite of grit, but just like caring so much about pop culture and so much <laughs> about politics. I feel like uh, yeah, because we'd all see movies with her. She got me really into the Golden Girls. Oh, yeah. Um, but our other grandma, she was a big Democrat, too. She was. That's right. Yeah. But I really like that big, about like, her. Labor, labor side. Um, and even our grandpa on, uh, the, on the Glanville side was in the WPA, the, like, workers thing during the Great Depression mm -hmm. that built all of these projects and stuff. So I don't know. They were of a different time. Yeah, they definitely were of a different time when politics, I don't know. But I, I, but I don't know why our family is so crazy. Yeah, we really are. Like, I look at other families that are just like, okay, you know, they they went ahead and had like the good Thanksgiving and got over their issues and maybe one day we will too, but... Um, <gasps> I know. I actually just had a really long talk uh, with, not a super long talk, but with our brother, Andy, tonight, um, because he and I had been going back and forth a little bit about the Russia situation. Uh. Um, and he was, like, skeptical to begin with about the hacking, I would say, because... He's a, he's really liberal um, and he's like was a big Bernie supporter and he really loves he's a very smart guy. He really loves like Glenn Greenwald. Is that that guy's name? Greenwald, the guy who does the intercept kind of these more, um, you know, these journalists who are uh, a little bit more not even liberal, but have been more uh, inclined to like be in cahoots. Cahoots is a bad term with like Julian Assange and like. Edward Snowden and et cetera, kind of that whole group of journalists um, who he follows who are very skeptical of the uh, of Russia 
packing. Um, anyway, so he and I had kind of gone back and forth a little bit about it on Facebook, but, um, so I was just talking to him about it tonight, but, um, we had a pretty, we had a good talk, but it definitely comes back to like, then we had a really good rant for like like an hour about every different issue that is so horrible. So, uh, we'll have to have him on as a guest. Yeah, we will. Cause he was doing some ranting for sure. And actually he, even since Saturday, like he was just skeptical of the CIA, but now he's a little bit more just like, yeah, I don't know. It kind of actually seems like there was a, some wrongdoing. So, yeah. And honestly, like if I had to rate, so there's three of us, there's, I'm the oldest and then Andy and then Marissa, if I had to rate our, um, political, like day-to-day political obsession, obsessors, (laughs) um, like by far my brother is like top of the list. Like I think he's, he's in it day in and day out. It seems to me. Yeah, he knows a lot of stuff. Like, he was saying things, and I'm just like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I have to say that, like, so I feel like my getting into politics was a little bit different, because, like, I remember the news and, and the grandparent, you know, Grandma Maloff and the dads being, you know, really into it. But I have to say, I mean, I'm eight years younger than Rowie and seven younger than Andy, and... uh so, like, you guys taught me a lot. And I actually very strongly, this is horrible. It's probably going to be, like, not a great story to share. <laughs> Remember eating, like, breakfast one time when I think you were home from college, Rochelle? And yeah. we went to, like, the Village Inn or IHOP or something in Pueblo, and it was just you and me. And you explained to me communism. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and like the like the entire concept of it and everything that you were learning in college not to say that you were straight up like communism is good but you weren't really like it's super bad you were just kind of like oh yeah I'm sure <laughs> you're just explaining it all and then I explained what you told me to Sarah and like I don't know <laughs> so. well I probably told you a couple things and like you know one of the things if I'm sure if that was like my first semester of college you know, the way that my story goes is that, um, uh, you know, I was planning on going to the University of Colorado Boulder and my dad, who is a, our dad, is a seemingly liberal man. Uh, he's been a Democrat like forever. Um, let's not forget he, uh, betrayed the Democrats (laughs) in the year 2000 (laughs) with his, (laughs) With his betrayal vote of what's his name? Um, Yeah, Nader. But uh, he used to joke with me like all the time that I was about to go to CU and uh, he called it a pinko, like commie college, which it gets called that all the time, which was also very funny because he went there his freshman year of undergrad and my uncles went there and, and stuff like that. So anyway, it was kind of hilarious, but he, he had a lot of thoughts on that. He kept joking about it or I don't know how serious he was. So, uh, we had to go buy books and, uh, like when I went to go move in, we went to go buy my books and the first book 
on my list was the Communist Manifesto uh, <laughs> by Karl Marx. And so anyway, he's like, I told you this is like a pinko commie school, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay. And so um, the first class I had Monday morning, my freshman year, uh, was comparative politics with Professor Jeffrey Kopstein. And uh, we that was the reading assignment. One of the first things we did is we read uh, the Communist Manifesto and we read Max Weber and we had to write, you know, a paper on it. It was the first paper I ever wrote. And so I probably felt very knowledgeable at that point when I came <laughs> home like to tell you about it. Old. Yeah. Well, I still sorry. probably talk about it like way too much. Like I love telling people about the like the start of capitalism and where that actually began and how, um, cause it is kind of an interesting start. Well, and so it's like, you were definitely into that. I don't know. I guess by that point, maybe Andy was still conservative. Yeah. Like I had, if you listen to podcasts like long ago, um, I had my little rebellion period where I was a register. I registered as a Republican, uh, when I turned 18 and I had hoped for Bob Dole to win <laughs> in 1996. Um, and I wanted desperately, desperately to like participate in a youth, like RNC program. <laughs> and, uh, my parents wouldn't let me, of course. So, um, anyway, but then like that all switched over like pretty quickly. And, uh, I think even like just a month after I, I don't know. It, it's a very weird, confusing time. So, uh, but once I was in college, like I was back on path and, um, and Andy, yeah, he was, he had his conservative era for sure. And that was almost scary. His, his switched like crazy too. Yeah. Like Andy is nothing but extremes on, on his feelings. So he went like from far right to like far left. Uh, Yeah. So I've definitely heard it from him numerous times as well at a young age, like the history of communism and capitalism. And uh, yeah. uh, So he's a, you guys taught me well about about, um, being a liberal Jesus. <laughs> to the point where when I was in high school, I like gave a speech about communism. God, I'm probably going to be arrested for this <laughs> discussion. <laughs> yeah. This, this podcast after, is probably getting us in trouble somehow. <laughs> after reading animal farm, I like, and then I wrote a paper and I actually won an award on this paper for the district about how the IMF was like unjust, which is basically something that I only could have gotten from my older siblings at the time, because that was like a kind of nuanced, like weird lefty thought, you know, yeah. um, I could have only gotten it from you guys. And then I would also point out one Russell Carlson, who was always <laughs> giving me all these like really liberal books and reading like Noam Chomsky. So, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, anyway, so that's what, that's what kind of nerd we all are. <laughs> And in the meantime, we, like, have these huge, like, family, you know, rants, issues, anger (laughs) about Mm. politics. And even when we agree, like, Sarah and I were having a nice long talk last Sunday, and we were getting really heated, even though we both, like, agreed on every point. So, um. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's pretty crazy, pretty cool, um, I guess, except it causes us nothing but, like, misery. So. Yeah, for real. It seriously, seriously does. Um, to my thing about the Bush administration being kind of quaint now, I have to bring this up because I feel like a lot of people right now, like me, are trying to confide in music and the arts. Um, and I'm trying to think about, like, okay, during the eight years when Bush was in, was, when Bush was president, like, you know, those are some pretty fun eight years for me because I was like a teenager and I was, I was in college during the, uh, yeah, first two years I was in college were the last two years of his presidency. So by that point, not as much was going on, but, um, but you know, that I went to anti-war protests in high school and the inauguration protest in Denver and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I mean, not to be like, a fashion protester, it sounds like. But, you know, it was kind of like not the worst time in my life. It was nice to be an activist against things. And also there was a ton of good music. And it just so happened to coincide with, like, all of the good protest music was coming out at the time I would have been the most into music in high school. So just this Friday, I went and saw um, my old-time fave, Connor, over... Um, and yeah, Ooh, Connor, I can't believe he hasn't been mentioned so far. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, we can talk more about Connor in a moment, but he of course had a lot of really good protest songs, like in the mid two thousands and the mid aughts, uh, about Bush, um, and his big album, I'm wide awake. It's morning had a lot of songs that were related to the war in Iraq and like, since the election, I've kind of tried to listen to that. And, and even at the show, he played um, one or two songs that were cert- that, you know, were relevant at the time and could be seen as relevant now. But those just honestly, it makes me feel sadder because I'm like, I'm just like, God, I thought it was so bad then. I thought it was oh. the worst possible thing ever, like everything that was happening in the world. And now I'm just like, even these songs don't like there's nothing that can yeah. even compare like thinking about Bush. I'm just like, yeah, I mean, he kind of was seemed like he did things in Iraq for oil. But I mean, for God's sake, the freaking secretary of state is going to be the CEO of Exxon Mobil. So it's like, yeah. That's a really horrible, horrible thing that's happened. And I, I, we could go through just today's news, and it feels like the worst possible thing in the world for our world. <laughs> just today's news, and then we could go look at yesterday's news. I mean, every day it's just like something horrible. Yeah. I don't know. But really I hear you. awful. On the protest songs, like, Ani DeFranco has been uh, really visible this year. Um, And she was my old go-to back in the day. Um, And, like, she does a lot of stuff. And, you know, God bless her. She's great. I just, like, can't do it anymore. If, like, I'm listening to music now, I just have to listen to the stuff that soothes me. (laughs) Like the Westworld soundtrack or something, which is its own nightmare, by the way. But um, I haven't watched. No spoilers. Okay. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty sad because like he ended the set with at the bottom of everything, Um, and then and that was a song I really loved during the Bush administration. 
And um, a reporter for a different show that he was doing that I was reading about actually talked about that he in he's been ending the tour, which is just a few shows um, with that song. And the tour started after the election. And, um, and they were like, it's kind of a depressing way to end it because one of the key lines in it is like into into the caverns of tomorrow with just our flashlights and our love we must plunge and then he changed and it used to say like and we'll get down to the very bottom of everything and then we'll see it but he changed the lyrics to like and then i hope that we'll see it oh god i hope that we'll see it and it was like super sad oh my god (laughs) because during the bush administration it was always like okay like we have to plunge forward, but at least we're all together. We have, you know, we have each other and we have hope that like this is that we can get through this. But um, it's a darker time, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so there's been some interesting developments today that in some ways shed a little bit of hope that something can be done about him. Um, yeah, the, we had, uh, some Republicans finally standing up yes. for the right thing for once. We'll see how that goes. The Senator, as our <laughs> brother would say, the Senator. <laughs> John Senator Perry. McCain for you. <laughs> and Lindsey Graham, who's always like on our side of things these days. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> so that's really good. Cause this Russia thing is just. Like, we knew it the whole time. But I'm a little shocked that everyone else is so shocked. I'm like, we were kind of saying this the whole time. Like, who didn't? I don't know. Yeah. But, okay, so now we're all on the same page. Minus Donald Trump. He's like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, only Donald Trump and Kelly Trump. And I think at some point, he said, uh, why didn't you guys talk about this in the election then? It's like, we did. What are you talking about? Anyway, he's an idiot. Um, And then did you read the news out of Colorado today? About the electors? Yes. A little bit. I've kind of been following this story about the, is this the Hamilton electors? Yes. Okay. So um, they are going to federal court, I want to say. Correct me if I'm wrong, Marissa. You're the expert here. Um. Yeah, it's federal court. To basically to uh, sue so that um, they don't have to stick to uh, the popular vote of their state uh, so the electors can be free. And in Colorado, uh, it was a blue state. The popular vote was for Hillary, and these are Hillary people. Um, But the point in doing so would actually free up uh 29 other states if they're ru- if they rule in their favor. Right, which is a really yeah, I'm really curious about this not to get into like something that will be super boring, but I'm curious about how they have standing to do that since they themselves are like definitely democratic uh electors, but yeah, no. I I was reading about that a little bit cuz a group that I'm a member of, uh a lot of the law- some of the lawyers are are working on on this project called the Hamilton Electors, which is exactly that to um 
ensure to make it so that the electors can actually follow uh, so they're not bound right by the popular vote of their state so that if we're truly going to have an electoral college we actually have an electoral college that gets to be a last check yeah um for our democracy which was the point of the electoral college um if you read the federalist papers and stuff this might be our nerdiest podcast yet, <laughs> but I think a lot of people have been throwing around. I can't remember the exact number, but one of the one of the Federalist Papers, like seventy six, I think, or something, written by Alexander Hamilton. You know, talking exactly like defending the Electoral College and basically bringing up a situation exactly like what we have right now, where we might need the Electoral College, the people who are voting the electors, to kind of be a check in case a cobble of voters or a cabal of voters um, ends up uh, taking control. Mm. So interesting stuff. I mean, that's not very likely to change anything. Like I think Monday, right? The 19th is uh, the day that the elector, the electors do their thing. I think, yeah, it's on the 19th they actually go to vote. Um, yeah. So some of them uh, I know also have been trying to postpone the vote until after there's an investigation into the Russian interference in the election as well, um, which, you know, I think is, is good. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, all of these things are kind of long shots at this point, um, especially because one of the downsides of it is that, you know, the state party, I feel like, kind of chooses who the electors are. So then they – so, like, the people in Texas, like um, – because a lot of people have been lobbying the electors to change their vote and to follow mm -hmm. the will of the popular vote of the country. And um, apparently people have been getting some nasty messages back from these electors who are just, like, normal people and typically, like, party activists – so, um, so I don't know. So yeah. you have some definite Trump loyalists in there because it's like the Republican party, like chose these people to be the electors in the case that they would win the state. So, but I mean, at the same time, maybe there's hope. <laughs> I don't know that yeah. if they did postpone it or something, um, but let's be real. The electoral college in general is just like such a ridiculous thing. So. Yeah. Uh, particularly if they can't even use their own will to kind of be the point of the electoral college, um, which was to be a check. Mm. I'm feeling right now like the uh, old school federalists just made way too many concessions. I'm like typical liberals <laughs> <laughs> had to give them the electoral college. Like, <laughs> God, that's the truth. Jesus. That's typical. It's always been the South being like, nope, we insist on having this or we won't have a union. And then the liberals, the Federalists are like, oh, OK, I guess we'll just do it because we want to be a union. It's like, mm. <laughs> yeah, this shouldn't cause any problems ever. <laughs> and then like years later, still causing so many problems. So. Terrible. OK, so that's sort of the, the horrible side of the house. So no hope there. <laughs> no, yeah. Is there hope anywhere, in your opinion, Marissa? 
Well, I think it's good that the Republican establishment is kind of standing up to Trump right now with the Russia stuff. Um, I think you see the limits of that being that today the kind of the shit hit the fan with everything with Russia. And then the Donald still appointed this guy who's the CEO of ExxonMobil and like BFF with Putin to be the secretary of state. So that just shows you how much he cares about like what McCain, what Rubio, Lindsey Graham, what all of these people in the establishment have to say, which he does not really care about that at all. Um, so on the one hand, a little bit of hope because at least these people are finally kind of standing up on the other hand. Um, you know, it's tough because the president has so much power. So, God, it's terrible every day. It's a horrible. Do you see any hope? (sighs) No, not really. But, uh, you know, I said something to Mike today that, and this is probably a really stupid statement. He was, we were talking about all of this and he said, you know, nothing like this has ever really been done. Which I... I hate even saying on the podcast because I'm sure there's some something in history that would tell me like otherwise that, you know, there's been something kind of similar and I just can't think of what it is. I don't know it. Um, But what I said to him is just like what you can't do. And I I guess I'm not not articulating this very well is you can't like what could happen is something that we've never seen before. Everything has been so unusual up to this point. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? And um, and then he said, well, would you be willing to have, like, a civil war over this? And my first reaction was, probably. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, what? And I was like, okay, no, but, you know, like, this is, it's just really, really bad. So, um, you know, he is so unconventional. Everything about this has been so unconventional. The outcome the way that, you know, everything that could happen between now and January 20th could be very, very weird. So who knows what happens till we get to that point. Yeah. And I will say, um, weirdly, I overheard someone at the concert. I was at saying this and I was like, that's true. It's kind of funny at the concert, every person, it's almost like I live in a Trump twilight zone, which is already just how I feel since November 8th um, of like, is this a dream? And it was like everywhere I was at that concert, other people were talking about Trump. And I was like, why is just everyone talking about this still? It's been a month. Um, and I don't want to think about this right now. So yeah, let's go see this really sad concert where it will like definitely be talked about like the entire concert by the musicians too. Um, but anyway, this person, I overheard them be like, you know, Michael Moore for what it's worth actually really called the election super correctly. Like Mm. he had been calling it pretty much the whole time that he thought Trump was going to win. And whenever we would get too joyous at, you know, the, at different points where we were like, okay, well we definitely have it in the bag. He was always on the news kind of rate and on Bill Maher and stuff and on Twitter raining on everyone's parade being like, you guys are celebrating on the 50 yard line. Like, you don't understand. And he always called that Hillary would lose because of like Michigan and Mm -hmm. similar States. Like the whole time he was like, Michigan is going to go for Trump. Like they need to be focusing more on this state. Um, 
So he actually had some pretty smart insights into that, which I know sounds like a really obnoxious liberal person thing to say. But his other prediction has been that Trump like wouldn't actually be inaugurated. Like, so I don't know. I'm like, maybe he's right on both accounts. Like that, that would be that awesome. So- that something would happen that would keep him from actually taking office. Now that's not to say that, that Hillary would win. Right. Because I don't think the Republicans would allow that. No. But and not even that this is much better, but maybe that it would be like Mike Pence. I mean the the thing is, like I hear so many people say like, well Mike Pence is is worse than Trump and you know, maybe he's more maybe. conservative, but like right. I don't feel like he's actually like the end of our demo- like I feel like with Mike Pence we'll have another election in four years. Yeah, that's exactly right. I completely agree. Like Mike Pence, not you know, I don't share values with him. Um but I think if this were him, he would not have nominated this ExxonMobil guy for the Secretary of State. Like it would be somebody more traditional, someone that we understand someone we might not like that much, but it would be not completely insane and crazy. Someone who's literally connected to Putin. Like everything, it seems like it's Trump versus everybody at this point, in my opinion. And um, and so I, I don't know. I'm kind of with Michael Moore. Like there's something in my gut that just is telling me, and that's what I couldn't convey to Mike, that like something could happen. Something we've never really seen before where it actually just like doesn't work out. And he doesn't. He doesn't get uh, sworn in. So I don't know. Yeah, like an immediate impeachment scenario. Yeah. I mean, and and maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's, you know, there's an inauguration or whatever, and it's just immediately. Which would, which honestly may give the Republicans, the establishment Republicans, more what they want by having a Mike Pence. Absolutely. Anyway, because I mean, I don't know. What scares me about it, I guess, is that the Repubs are just going to go along with the Donald because, I mean, so far he's like a thousand times more conservative than Bush. Almost none of the things that he indicated that he'd be a maverick on or kind of liberal on, like trade or, you know, oh, I'm going to make sure hedge fund managers pay their fair share or stuff like that that he kind of talked in some populist terms about during the election, like all of that is gone. Like those are the promises he is not keeping for sure. Um, Which in one way as a liberal, it's like a little bit relieving because I'm like, I don't want to run. I think on keeping it 1600, they're like, we don't want to run against like a Republican party that is, I don't know, doing just a little bit of populist things. So I don't know. But so that type of stuff though, does scare me on the other end of like, he's clearly going to be, so willing to like cut the estate tax, cut taxes on the 1%, cut the corporate tax, like deregulate Wall Street and banks and blah, blah, you know, all of the nor cut the social welfare net, you know, cut the social safety net, privatizing Medicare and social security, you know, gutting Obamacare. Like these are things that now Trump has actually shown a willingness to do all the very traditional and really conservative, like far more conservative than it was under Bush ideas that the current Republican Party has. And so that kind of scares me that because he's willing to give them so much of that, of what they really want, that they won't. 
that they won't stand up to him. But I mean, Pence would definitely do all of that stuff too, and potentially not get us in like a world war. So (laughs) maybe they'll have some amount of like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, the problem that they have is that if they actively do anything to rid him, like they're going to pay for it from the voters. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. They created this like monster of, uh, you know, a voting public who still at this point probably really believes in Trump and uh, hate the establishment and they even look at them as the establishment. So that's another problem that they have. That, yeah, that's that's totally right. I mean, it was like even during the election when Paul Ryan, when Paul Ryan would say anything, not even Dis- disavowing Trump, but just being like, you know, he shouldn't have said he would grab women by the pussy. He, Paul Ryan was the one who got booed. Like, I think with their voters, if the choice is Paul Ryan, Marco Rubio, I mean, we've seen this in the primary versus Donald Trump, they're going to choose Donald Trump every time. Mm-hmm. So our only hope is that Donald Trump can appear, which already he is, but that we as Democrats can really take advantage of this, that he can appear very corrupt that we can focus on the on the issues of corruption that apparently caused so many people to be wary of Hillary, rightfully so or not. Um, I mean, for, for Trump, there's a million more reasons to find him corrupt already. Like within the first month, uh, he's not even in office um, with business connections and pay for play and all of that type of stuff that that people really cared about during the election um, against Hillary. So, but one of the problems is they never understand their own hypocrisy. Yeah. Like they, they never understand she's so corrupt, pay for play. And you confront them with that and they don't see a problem. Yeah. No, you're, you're completely right. I, yeah, I don't know how that is. I think they just really love Trump. Yeah, and I think that gets down into the base level of, like, going back to uh, the racism. Like, because at the end of the day, what they really loved about Trump was that he said really terrible things about non-white Christians. Yeah, I think so, Non-white Christian males. Let's be very specific. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I think that that's something that, cannot be erased from this. I think so many people want to sit back and look at this election, um, in my opinion, actually, with some rose-colored lenses of like, well, if the Democrats had just focused on the economic message more, you know, maybe we could have won. And it's really just that we didn't appeal enough to the to the populist white working class um, voter. And I I want to think that, you know, that there is truth to that. And maybe there is, because really, Hillary only lost by, like, what, less than 100,000 votes? About 100,000 votes split between between three states. Um, States in which there have been major, you know, at least in one, Wisconsin, major uh, voter suppression, like, through 
legislation with voter ID, plus include North Carolina, where they cut early vote in half, have a really draconian voter ID law on the books that straight up did suppress black people from voting. So it's like, you know, she got really close with all these things kind of against her with the Comey letter coming out, Russia's clear interference of like only releasing her things. So, okay. So, like, maybe they're right that it just one type of small tweak in her tactic of, okay, let's focus more on the economy instead of these other things. Maybe it could have made a difference. But at the but at the same time, when you see people like there's been this uh, thing trending uh, that I saw on Twitter that like Frank Lutz posted that showed a woman, a young white woman, like probably in her 30s. And she had like a tattoo, like a sleeve, like tattoo. And it showed her and it had a quote from her where she was like, yeah, I voted for Obama last time, but I voted for Trump this time because Hillary did not spend um, because Hillary only focused on the minorities and immigrants and did not focus on everyday Americans. And that right there. <laughs> shows racism in my mind that to this person, like a ton of people have said this, like everyday Americans are white people and minorities are not everyday Americans. Mm. And that Trump for as a candidate more explicitly than the Republicans have done in years, maybe explicitly appealed to white people and only to white people. Yeah. He didn't even try to appeal So, I mean, he tried a little bit to appeal to African-Americans, but even his appeal to African-Americans was was basically, yeah, to win over white people. So that way they don't feel so racist for supporting Trump. And so I think, you know, you're seeing a lot of, you know, white ethno nationalism in America and across Western Europe and Eastern Europe, you know, for certain, um, And it's scary. And we actually have to look at the root of that and not just keep blaming it on, oh, we didn't have a good enough message on the economy because the economy is not that bad right now. So, yeah, sorry, going on a rant. But I I mean, I just I think that there's too much focus on that. The Democrats didn't portray a populist enough message. Hmm. What do you think? No, I'm in. I'm in agreement. Everything you said makes total sense. And I do, I do think that, you know, I can, I know of some people who voted for Trump who I think have enough common sense to see that he's not living up to any of the promises that he had, um, that will see through it. But I still think there are plenty of people who, who won't. And, for all the reasons that we just outlined. And I agree. And, and furthermore, it's not just like if Hillary had only just done this, like there are a thousand reasons why the perfect storm of shit basically just happened in November. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of things. Yeah, it's very true. And I think like a sad thing that sometimes I think about not to just totally go to a totally depressing spot at the end of our politics talk is like, you know, Obama, he was such a transformational candidate and he was so inspiring. And But I think a lot of the times we forget that in 2004, people were talking about it being like the end of the Democratic Party and that maybe it's just not a good national party anymore because of John Kerry's loss and Al Gore, who 
again, won the popular vote, but not the electoral college, (laughs) that maybe we just can't really like win the electoral college. And part of me gets afraid that like maybe Obama was able to do that so well, just because he was such an inspirational candidate. And at the same time that maybe a lot of those Obama voters in 2008 that kind of changed to Trump, maybe they weren't really Obama voters at all. Maybe they voted for Obama because at the time in 08, they knew, like they voted in their self-interest that like, yeah, Bush messed up the economy. I don't want a Republican. It tends to happen that in times of economic turmoil like that, when people really are like, shit, you know, the, the bottom's falling out. The banks have screwed me over yet again, they kind of turn to the Democratic Party who's there for the working people. And, you know, so I think maybe in in some small part, I mean, certainly like the economy propelled Obama to win. I think he would have won anyway. But I I mean, I think that um, that that's something that kind of scares me about it is that this whole time, so many people have said, you know, we thought that the Republicans were not the party that was able to kind of win the Electoral College anymore just because of math. And it's like, well, maybe Obama was kind of the exception and not the rule. Ugh. Which is depressing. <sighs> but Hillary did, like, she didn't win, or she didn't lose by a lot. The Comey letter, Russian hacking, I mean, it's actually amazing that she did as well as she did. And she still won the popular vote by, like, 3 million votes. So, like, instead of, like, changing our whole party to maybe pick up a few more votes of this one specific sect of people at the risk of, you know, alienating all of the minority supporters, all the people who depend on the Democratic Party to to protect our interests and American ideals, like, why don't we kind of put things into perspective and see it wasn't that big of a loss. Yeah, it just no. a loss that, you know, hurt <laughs> really yeah, bad. Yeah, truly. Truly. Okay. Well, that's all politics. Right. Jesus. It's it's never going to get better, I swear to God. Um, <laughs> I know. So, uh, quick check-in. I just wanted to check in on your fantasy team, Marissa. You're in first place. Uh, It's going well. I actually don't know if I ended up winning. Mm, I'll look it up here for you. Yeah, I just, I had to restore my phone, so I don't know. I was playing uh, Rochelle's husband tonight. Mm. That's right. He was beating me earlier. Let's see. (sighs) Oh. Need like a little bit of music as I look this up. Do do. I have to depend on Tom Brady, and Ugh. I actually have a I have a New England um, wide receiver. What is wrong with you? I don't know. You did. You beat Mike. Oh wait, no, that's Johnny. <laughs> uh, that always cracks me up. <laughs> Why? Uh, is- yes, you you beat Mike. <laughs> Johnny's face. <laughs> so did you be, uh, who were you playing? This so week? I, Ted? <laughs> this week I was playing Uncle Ted and I think the very first podcast I was playing Uncle Ted or I was complaining about it. And like, it was one of those moments where it's just truly, I'm still as like crazy about it because um, I just don't want to get last place. So Russell, I'm sorry. That's like all I'm aiming for is to like not get last place. Um <laughs> And, uh, so when 
I've played people this season, like there have been plenty of times where I've been totally slaughtered, but there have been a lot of times where uh, it's been pretty close and I score like a ton of points. And what's frustrating is that my opponent also scores a ton of points. And then I look at the rest of the league and they all scored like way less. And I'm like, God, if I had played anybody else, I would have like destroyed (laughs) them. This was another one of those weeks. So I got 108 points. I actually got the most points this week. And Ted got 105. (laughs) So it was very, it was very close. And last night I was watching the the Dallas game because it all came down to his uh, kicker, Dan Bailey of the Cowboys. Yeah. And I was watching that Cowboys game like a crazy person, like praying that they didn't get <laughs> themselves into a situation where he would have to kick oh my so that God. I could beat Ted. <laughs> so anyway, um, but like everybody else, like, you know, Marissa, yeah, you, I didn't get a lot you got like 75 points. Johnny did well. He got uh, 98 um, and Andy got 97. But like a lot of the scores, like Mike got 59. Uh, trying to look at some others. Um, Russell, 69. Shane, 61. Ray, 58. Maybe people are just like not even trying anymore, but... No, I think everyone is. I just think across the board, the fantasy talent is kind of crappy this year. Like, absolutely, like the players, not not the people in the league. Yeah. It's like there's no good wide receivers. Like I was saying that, it's like, oh, how'd my wide receiver do? And I actually don't know how he ended up doing. I picked up a new guy and played him, but like, I'm just like, all of my wide receivers suck, and I don't feel like any are that good. Like mm-hmm. in the league. Oh, no. And, like, my uh, number one draft pick, freaking Allen Robinson, is the worst. And <laughs> oh, yeah, I keep him. playing him. I keep playing him. And I'm like, what? How How do I not learn the lesson? Jesus. So, anyway. Okay, Marissa, so, uh, the holidays are approaching. Yes, they are. And uh, I want to hear what you want for Christmas. Ooh, like real things, attainable things I can get. Uh, no, unattainable. What is your greatest Christmas wish? Well, I think we all know what that would be, and that would—I don't know—would it be like some type of time travel machine with the election, <laughs> or like mm. just that the electoral college is like, fuck it, we're going with the popular vote. Maybe that—that that would make me happy. If oh my god! Like, if they're just like, you know what? We all decided we're going with the popular vote from here on out. That would make me happy. Um, and then I also I want a kitten. Um, oh. Yeah. I've decided that I want to get a little kitten. Oh, that's for real. For real. I think I'm ready. Yeah, I think I'm ready for that. Um, oh. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you want? Well, I want everything that you just outlined minus the kitten because I'm – full of cats. Um, I, yeah, I want some miracle, some Christmas miracle to happen. And, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I want, I want to enjoy every Obama moment and hope that he Denver never goes away. That is, 
You know why I got so happy? I got so happy when I read the thing that was like, they might, or not they might, but someone was calling for them to postpone the electoral college vote. And I was like, yeah, just postpone it until the end of the investigation. That will like be a few months, right? And then yeah. just like let them do it again. And I saw someone that was like, we need a new election. Like we should have another vote. And I was like, yes. That would be so And then amazing. it would give us more time with more Obama. More Obama time. <laughs> God. I, I, so I want me. an Obama pep speech for, for Christmas. Yeah. <sighs> that would be good. I mean, I can try to make you my own. That's not the same. Marissa? Marissa? Merry Me. Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> no, Obama would say happy holidays. He probably would. Although, I don't think so. Actually, he would say Merry Christmas. People say he would not do that. Like, fucking Sarah Palin says that. I know. Grr. I know. It's so ridiculous. Um okay. I would also like for someone to just come and clean my house. Mm. That is a good thing. I guess thing. is attainable. I could hire a mate. <laughs> it is. Uh, I am. I'm totally pro that. That's for sure. Uh, we have a lot of Christmas stuff in our house. Like um, my husband is a Christmas addict and uh, a compulsive shopper. So it's. A bad combination and so we have a ton of christmas decorations marissa you've seen it it's crazy so anyway we have a housekeeper that we started using this year uh cleaning service and uh i had to give them like a warning and uh tell them and so i texted them the day that they were coming and i was like hey <laughs> heads up <laughs> for you like we have a lot of christmas stuff like a lot of christmas stuff so just wanted to give you a heads up and obviously you don't have to worry about any form of dusting because that would be impossible. Uh, see you later. And like I got a text <laughs> back later that night and she was like, you were not exaggerating at all. We were blown away. I was like, I told you. And she thought it was very cool that we do that. But she's also very nice. So um, anyway, yeah, that real would be. Life, real life Griswolds. Yeah. So one thing I am asking for that I'm getting, Marissa, that I think you'll be proud of me and be, like, shocked that I'm not. Because I'm, like, not a hipster, you know. I'm, like, on the very old end of the millennials or the very, very young end of the Generation X. So I uh, am getting a record player. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. I have not ever had one. I mean, I had one when I was a little, little kid for a little, little while. And then I had a cassette player and I got my Michael Jackson thriller. Um, so anyway, I'm going to get That's a pretty player. hip. That's a pretty hip, uh, gift. Yeah, I guess so. I also want a typewriter. <laughs> so. Oh my God. That'd be too hipster. What if you become like super hipster in 2017? That's impossible. Like by the end of it, you're wearing, you have like a typewriter, and um, you have the record player, and you refuse to listen to music on anything else. <laughs> Not and then possible. you like start you start making like deconstructed spaghetti. Oh my god! And drinking fair trade coffee might be good. Yeah, I pretty much you know. Actually, I don't because I go to Starbucks. That's how I'm basic. I'm not a hipster like at all. So. There's a new Starbucks that's it, opening um, that's, like, more on my way to work 
so I don't have to kind of backtrack that has a drive through. And I kid you not, this is like the greatest thing in the world for me. I every day check the progress of it. <laughs> and um, I almost got in a car accident last week because <laughs> I was looking at it. Uh, so I am like thrilled, thrilled, thrilled. So um, when it comes down to it, I'm very, very basic as it turns out. Yeah, me too. It's okay. Phil and I went to this uh, hipster thing on Saturday and we were both left and we were like, that was way too hip. It was um, like a French pop night at this bar in Chinatown. Doesn't that sound like the most hipster thing ever? Um, and it was. It was very hip. And I was like, I just want to dance. I don't know how to even dance to this. We should have gone to 80s night. That would have been way more fun and way more basic. <laughs> Like, literally, we left and we were like, we knew we should have gone to the 80s site, but our friends <laughs> about it. Maybe we'll swap and you'll just become, like, super, super hip, though. I like that idea. <laughs> no way. I don't know. I guess because you're uh, getting closer to 30, you're now finally just, like, exhausted. And I'm probably, like, now, like, getting closer to, like, a midlife crisis. And I'm like, no, I'm cool. Like. That's my, like, sports car is a record player. Um, so. <laughs> and a Prius. <laughs> yeah. The, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm also very much, like, in the Taco Bell ad, though, when they're, <laughs> that stupid Taco Bell ad that was on, like, a few months ago, where <laughs> they're at, like, a, fo- <laughs> like, the hipster fondue party, <laughs> and the guy is just eating his, like, Taco Bell burrito. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Me too. That was like literally the ad that spoke to my friends too the most. Like the moment that ad came out, Chris was like, dude, the Taco Bell. (laughs) 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 So so again, I went to this show on Friday and like it's the only show I've been to in a really long time because yeah, I guess I'm not a hipster anymore. I just only go to like a few shows a year. Um, and it was weird. Like, I think you would have appreciated this fact, Rowie. Like, because you had seen Connor with me when I was 14. Yeah. At the height of Connor being, like, being a hipster. And that was um, a good show. It was so a very good. good show. And now Connor's, like, you know, he's your age. So he's, yeah. like, what, 36? Yeah. 37? And he's, like, you know... He's uh, so he's not as hip as he once was, and his fan base is all people like my age, and so it was just weird being at it because like there were no teens, like it was just people my age. But nonetheless, I was like, so the doors opened at seven. Uh, just a little backstory: I always would get to Connor shows like in the morning to be front row because I was really cool um, and not a stalker. Um, anyway. So the doors opened at seven. So I was like kind of nervous. I even had a dream about it this last week because I'm still like crazy after all these years um, of like that I missed the show and like wasn't there on time. (laughs) Uh, So like, so yeah, they opened then and I I was a little bit late to when the doors opened because like I had to drive home from work in LA and it took forever. And, um, and I was kind of like, stressed but I was like no there's no way that people are gonna get there right at seven o'clock like anyone who's into this guy is like 30 years old like there's no way it's 
it, the doors open at seven. Like there, people aren't going to be able to get there before seven. Like who right. could even get there then? So like we get there, it's like seven ten when we get there. The freaking line goes like blocks around the bend and it's just like all of these 30 year old used to be hipsters like me who are not even that hip and I'm like you motherfuckers like I don't even know that people liked him this much anymore like how do this many other people also like still I don't know yeah so uh I was not front row center at all would you have Um, wanted to be no could you have done it see I couldn't do it anymore well, no, it was all seated. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. I mean, I would have felt weird. <laughs> like, well, if I was sitting down, yes. <laughs> yeah, thank God it was seated. That made it, like, so much better. I was actually in the center of, like, the front row on the balcony, which was cool. Like, I actually think I had a, a cooler view because it was, like, in this really beautiful church that had, like, chandeliers and, and stuff. So, um, so it, it was fitting. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean – there, I, I imagine because so many people were already there at like seven o'clock that there must have been people who got there like hours early who are my age. I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. I was jealous. I was like, no, I'm still the biggest fan. But no. I'm not. <laughs> Did you give Johnny a hard time? About getting there early? Yes. Yeah. 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 Or Johnny. I was, well, I was just stressed about it. I was just like, you know, I don't know. I was you just were like, being you about it. You were yeah. very stressed. Very stressed. Yeah, exactly. And I was like trying to sneak out of work a little early and then something came up like right when I was about to leave. So I was like really annoyed about that. And I was like, yeah, definitely having some rants. My yeah. biggest rant though was like, I just can't believe other people get here before seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's anyway. kind of ridiculous it was a, it was a good show though so. i don't feel like it was that way at sufyan i guess because it was like all reserved seating yeah i think when it's reserved it wasn't like that at the sufyan show i went to in the summer either but it was reserved so i think just not being reserved and yeah. i think people are just still really weird about connor <laughs> It's like it never ends. Even if you don't still care that much, you still have to be like, nope. <laughs> still competitive. I uh, love it. Yeah. So. Well, does he get your hard eyes emoji for the week? He does. Yeah. He was definitely going to be my hard eyes emoji for the week, for sure. Because, um, well, he has not aged as well in the looks department. <laughs> he, yeah. uh,. He's aged well in the soul department. Aw, sweet. His show was really good. It was it was one of the best Connor shows I've seen. I've seen like so. Um, it was really good, and he had a really sad thing because his brother died, and that was super sad. So, yeah, that's a tragedy. That's too bad. What about you? Who's your hard eyes? God, I, I'm trying to think. I'm really struggling. I need to, like, prepare hard eyes emojis. I'm still just reading books like crazy. So, like, I don't want to be, like, another, uh, I don't want to be, like, J.R. Ace Anderson of the book Downed by Jen Frederick. Like, he was very good. But, um. Well, you already said him. Yeah. Okay. So him, a fictional football player. Is my hard eyes emoji? 
<laughs> oh god, that feels wrong. That Maybe feels wrong. McCain should be your hard eyes emoji. Yeah, the senator. Yeah. For like this moment in time right now. <laughs> for like one minute today. For like one minute before tomorrow he makes me very angry all over again. Yeah. Oh man. That's rough. That's rough. I'm gonna say it was this I'll 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 do another very old man. Uh that nobody knows, but it was a man I encountered tonight at the mall. <laughs> He, he worked at a candy shop and he was very cute and he was excited to sell us this candy and we got some uh like uh pecan clusters or almond clusters or whatever those are called that basically you would call them turtles uh-huh. uh and he was like these are called turtles but we're not allowed to use that at seas candy so um we just call them this and People say that they're even better than actual turtles. He was, like, just selling us on these things. And he was so cute. And he worked at the mall. That is really cute. Yeah. And a sign of our income inequality. No, just kidding. Yeah. I (laughs) have to turn everything you say into (laughs) depressing. (laughs) Oh, God. God. No, that's a a good one. I like it. Yeah. Well, Well, sister, until next time. Until next time, goodbye. Keep on keeping on. Goodbye. Okay, goodbye. Okay, goodbye.